Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. Oh my god, it's happening! Yeah! It's an emergency podcast with the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Of course, I'm here, your host, Tim Petrop. Here are my two brothers, the only two twins that give you the most up-to-date fantasy news on the emergency podcast right in the middle of a summer heat wave. The hostest with the mostest. Michael and Jason Petrop. What's What's up, up? fellas? So we were going to save this episode for you for after the summer heat wave, but we were like, you know what? Let's give it to the people now because... Drafts are happening as we speak. This is the week that tends to be the most popular draft week in fantasy. So we are going to give you our hat hangers today. What is a hat hanger? It is a guy we are hanging our hat on. A guy that we are staking our claims. We are putting our flags in them. We are saying we bet on these guys this season and we are riding and we are dying with them. Bada bing, bada boom. It's a good explanation. I don't know what to add. Okay, the Twins seem really hyped about this situation. For me, I'm really hyped, and I think it's because my adrenaline is pumping. And the reason why my adrenaline is pumping is because I took the choice of a couple days ago drafting Alvin Kamara in my home money league, the one that I care the most about, the one that I've been playing in since 2004. This, and then stuff happens. We start to hear rumors. Alvin Kamara has been missing from training camp and no one knows why they are inexcused absences then well, the rumors start to swirl about they know alvin Kamara's holding out he's not happy with his contract and why would he be he's getting he's seeing all these guys get paid and he's making two million dollars this year Kamara, on the other hand tells the athletics jeff duncan that he's not holding out and he has not requested a trade then news comes out that the saints first option according to Jeff Duncan, is to re-sign Alvin Kamara, but that they will seek a first-round pick in trade talks if nothing can be reached. This would be an absolute bombshell that would rock the fantasy world in many, many ways. So let's get started right away. Um, Let's talk to Michael because Michael and me just happened to be engaged in Alvin Kamara talk right before this happened. That's true. So... Michael, you are actively seeking Alvin Kamara, and I'm actively considering, am I going to trade Alvin Kamara for a pretty damn good package? I must say, like, Michael's Mm. not, I don't feel like Michael's swindling me in the deal. I feel like it would be an even type deal, unless Alvin Kamara is an absolute superstar. So, Michael, what are your thoughts on Alvin Kamara? What are you doing if you have him? What are you doing if you're entering a draft tonight and you are in the number four spot and number five spot and he's available? How, how do you feel about Alvin Kamara? Look, Alvin Kamara is a stud. No, There's no denying that. But you have to be a little concerned about this because he was a top five pick. If you've drafted or if you're going into a draft, he's still likely to be a top five pick. Maybe he drops like the middle of the first round rather than the top. Because if he goes anywhere except New Orleans, his stock drops. Like, there's no better team for Alvin Kamara than the Saints. He's just perfect for that offense. He runs the ball. He has Drew Brees throwing him the ball who doesn't throw downfield often. And he's just perfect for that offense. He knows it well. He's just perfect there. So now it's like, 
if he does get traded, first, who's he going to get traded to? Second, will there be competition where he gets traded? And will he no longer be this workhorse back? And third, who will he be traded to? One and three are the same because that's how important it is, where his landing spot would be. Now, I think he might be, I think this might be getting a little overhyped just because, you know, we're 10 days away from the start of the season, nine nine days away from the start of the season. So maybe it's just like, maybe people are just pushing it a little too much. Maybe the Saints just said something like, oh yeah, maybe if we get a good package, we'll sell him or something like that. And then it just blew up into this. But it's still a little worrisome. I'm not, I mean, if I'm drafting today, I don't want to pass up on Alvin Kamara because of this news. But there's always a chance you draft Alvin Kamara and then he gets traded or even holds out, which is a bad financial move. But we've seen that happen plenty of times. I mean, Melvin Gordon held out for like five weeks and it was a terrible, terrible decision. I, I, I for will him. say this, though, just just to interject there. A holdout is extremely unlikely because this year, if you hold out, a team can Losing put in for uh, for something COVID related in in the contract and void your season and make you still not be a free agent next season. So it's it's really hard. It's really hard for someone to hold out this year. I will say that there that there is there is something to be said about the fact that it's a little different this year. Yeah, and I just. I don't think it makes sense for the Saints to trade Alvin Kamara with how the way their team is set up right now. They're built to win today. Drew Brees is old. Michael Thomas is there. Alvin Kamara is there. And they don't have much else beyond those two guys. The rest of the people are fine. Jared Cook's fine. Trey Quan Smith is fine. These are the two guys with Drew Brees that will lead the Saints to a championship. If they get rid of Kamara, that team's not the same. And, yeah, sure, we've seen Latavius Murray do good for fantasy purposes. Fantasy football and real football are different. The Saints know that Alvin Kamara is more than just a running back. And I don't support paying running backs. I think it's ridiculous that Joe Mixon just got an extension. But this is one of those scenarios where Drew Brees is old, the Saints are trying to win it all, and Kamara is more than just a running back. Even if he doesn't get paid, I just don't see the Saints trading him. Although I would say... Tampa Bay. If he went to Tampa Bay, I wouldn't move him in my rankings. Yeah, Tampa Bay seems like a good fit. What about if he went to Chicago? Oh, of course I'd move him down. He's yeah. not going to be used as a pass catcher as much. They have Tariq Cohen, and plus yeah. they don't even use Tariq Cohen enough. That would be that would be like. But me, I'm a not risk averse. I don't mind risk. It's the opposite of risk averse, right? I don't yeah. really mind risk when I'm drafting. My team name in our home league is the Convicts, all the way back from like. The year that Tom Brady and Antonio Gates were suspended. Because I won the championship that year. Because I took them both in like the second digit rounds. They came back from suspension. And Le'Veon Bell after suspension. Yeah. So I just had all the suspended guys. So that's like, I don't mind taking risks for reward and fantasy. If I'm drafting today, I'm still taking Kamara forth and hoping for the best. Because the upside is there. The Saints do have a little cap space. According to OverTheCap.com, the the cap space for the New Orleans Saints is thirteen. I just don't seven million right now. I don't even even if they don't extend him, I don't see Kamara being traded. Like they know they need him. I think he's just gonna play. He's not gonna miss out because he's not gonna be a free agent next year if he holds out. Like you just said, according to the new CBA. So unless he's really dumb and he doesn't want to get paid for an extra year, he's gonna play. Right, he's gonna play. So I'm not it, too it, worried actually. 
This is a, this is type of like like the holdout instead of the holdout. It's the hold in this year. But I think the thing that's making Kamara angry is the the cascade of people who are kind of getting paid, uh, particularly at the running back position. So let's talk about that Joe Mixon extension real quick. I mean, uh, actually, you know what? Before we get into Joe Mixon, I want to talk about Latavius Murray because this is more this is more like crucial. Latavius Murray is obviously going to be the beneficiary of a holdout by Alvin Kamara. Yeah. You don't know right now what you're looking at. Yeah. What are you thinking in terms of where you would draft him in your upcoming drafts? I'm thinking I'm not going to own Latavius Murray then because there's going to be someone reaching for him in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round, and I'm not going to be the guy who does it. Because if Kamara stays put in New Orleans, congrats, you just wasted a fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick yeah. right. on a handcuff. Yeah, he's going to go too early for my taste. Would you take him in the eighth? He was already going in the eighth, ninth. So yeah, drafts going, tonight, the next day, he's probably going in the sixth, seven. It's too early for me because I just told you, I think Kamara's going to be around. And on the low, the Saints have Ty Montgomery. They do. And they didn't bring in a running back wide receiver hybrid for no reason, in my opinion, if Kamara leaves. Because Montgomery is honestly more of a comp to Kamara than Murray is. I mean, that's true. Food for thought. He's also not as good. No, he's not also, as good. Also food for thought. <laughs> um, all right, so, th- I mean, we're going to keep monitoring this and keep taking keeping track of it because this is something that would rock the entire fantasy world. Yeah. Yeah. And just so you guys know, just to be, you know, completely, completely uh, transparent with you, Michael's offer is uh, Kareem Hunt and... Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. And, and uh, Kenyon Drake for Alvin Kamara. I'm strongly considering it. I'm not going to lie. I was considering it before, but since this news, he took out Marvin Jones. True that. So now Marvin Jones is no longer in the deal. And he wants. He said you could have another piece from my bench, but his bench is hot trash. That's what you get it's for waiting, man. It's a fair move what Michael did, taking out Marvin. I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm waiting on Alvin Kamara. It's not like I'm waiting on nothing. No, I'm, I'm waiting, waiting on, on the trade. Here. You could have done this before any of this happened. I could have, but... Who I knew? still don't know if I want to. I definitely didn't know what I want to before this stuff. <laughs> anyway, um, let's get to the second piece of news before we get to Joe Mixon's extension. Um, let's get to Leonard Fournette. Dropped. Just straight up Cut. released. Cut. Cut. Um, not something that surprised us here. Uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, but we did say don't draft Leonard Fournette. Yeah. Just you mean don't Leonard do it. Didu? Yeah. <laughs> Leonard Dedu Fournette. Just don't do it. So if you were listening to that, then you wouldn't have a problem or you would have drafted him with a fifth-round pick because we were saying we would take him if he was in the fifth round or something like that. Or you would he have wasted a fifth-round anyway, pick. So. Yeah, he's not falling there. So no one's listening here. We asked, the, we asked the Discord. No one has a Leonard Fournette. I mean, the yeah, <laughs> we have a large Discord and not a single one of them owns Leonard Fournette, which is pretty hilarious. I guess we really got it into their heads, which shout-out to the patrons. But yeah, it's it's just hilarious to me. The writing has been on the wall for so long that they just didn't want Leonard Fournette anymore. Like, not only were there trade rumors in the beginning of the offseason, they didn't pick up his option. They brought in Chris Thompson. Like, they there were just so many different things. They, they showed, like, yo, we don't want this guy anymore. Who wants him? And it turns out nobody did for what he's worth. Like, they did him. They dirty, legitimately bro. made it clear they did not want this guy. Yeah, 
And everyone was assuming he was going to be a workhorse. Yeah. Like, the logic doesn't add up. Which is why we don't own Fournette anywhere. Crazy. Dirt. They did him straight dirt. And now the Jaguars' backfield is not super appetizing. Yeah. A lot of love for Chris Thompson recently, which makes sense. His ADP shouldn't go too high up, and he's going to be a PPR piece. I think the uh, the match with Jay Gruden is what has people excited. And Thompson yeah. on the low always gets work. Like, he's going to be a good PPR option. Even last year, Tim had Chris Thompson in his flex, I think, week one. And before he got hurt, it was a good flex piece. He was a good flex. Yeah, I think he put up double-digit points week yeah. one last year. So I started him in my flex after drafting him in the 12th round. Yeah, and then they have Armstead, Osgibo. Armstead's going to be the first man up. He has always been. He's been missing I, time, too, though, now with injury. So it's it's really a yeah. question mark. And then you got Osgibo and Chris Thompson. Go ahead, Tim. So Yeah, he's a, he's on the COVID list, is he not? No, he's not on the Armstead? COVID list. No. no, he's on the COVID list? Armstead? I'm going to look that up Still right now. the injury. He, but again, no, it's not like Armstead isn't going to blow the roof off. Neither is Azigbo. Neither is Chris Thompson. So I'm not chasing either of these guys because it's. I think it'll be similar to like the uh, like the Lions last year after on Johnson got hurt with like Ty Johnson, Bo Scarborough, Zach Zenner, that dude Wills, I think his name was, or Hills. Who had like two touchdowns in one game and then never played again? Hills, I think it was. Yeah, it's like that's what I think it, it's gonna be like. Chris Thompson is the guy I'd be most interested in because of the pass catching potential. A target is worth historically two point seven times more than a carry in fantasy leagues. The thing is that Thompson was probably already on a team. Exactly, and now I his would ADP like go pick up, up Armstead if he's a free agent. Probably too late now. I tweeted go pick up Armstead. Like there's no harm in it. You have someone you could drop. Or a Zigbo for free as well. I think a Zigbo should should also be rostered. Because you just never know. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess with a Zigbo, but they, they drafted James Robinson this year as well. Another guy that we haven't mentioned yet. So who really knows what that backfield's going to look like? The thing is, the reason we like Thompson the most is because they're going to suck. Yeah. Jags are going to suck. So their running game isn't going to provide much value at the end of the day. There might, there's going to be days where you you'll throw Armstead. Probably, I'm I'm leaning with Armstead here. Into your flex, he'll fall into the end zone and he'll get you ten points. Besides that, Chris Thompson's probably going to provide the most points. I think this helps the pass catchers the most. They're going to be passing a lot. Fournette leaves out a hundred plus targets, and on the low, Lavisca Chenault, wide receiver, second round pick for the Jaguars, had more college carries than Antonio Gibson. I'm not saying this guy's a running back. He was drafted as a wide receiver. He was best as a wide receiver in college, but he played everywhere. He played tight as a he played as a tight end at points, halfback, outside receiver, slot wide receiver, wildcat QB, wildcat quarterback. He literally did everything for Colorado. Isn't that where Michael Gallup went to? Mm-hmm. So they they have good no, wide no. receivers there. Gallup went to Colorado State. State, mm, right? I knew Colorado something. Either way, so and they spent a second round pick on him. So I wouldn't be surprised if they get Chenault involved in some fun ways, some end arounds. Line them up, come out empty, and then have Chenault motion, uh, motion next to the next to Minshew, and maybe get a fucking draw or something of that sort. Give him those little pitch, the pitch catches that you catch when you run across the QB in a shotgun formation. That so I think that do. even has to be considered. Can I? Can Probably I just makes throw me something like Minshew more too? I do want to say that the the Jaguars have a f- four and a half win total according to Vegas, so they're the worst team according to Vegas. 
So they're going to be behind early and often, more than likely. So they are going to have to pass I, a lot. Can I throw one idea out there? Shoot. Chris Thompson's turning 30 this year. Um, dealt with injuries the past three years in a row. There is a possibility that this is his swan song. Um, he's he's with his former coach, maybe giving it one more one more go before he calls it a day. His Ron Swanson. Um, Ron what, Swanson's from. What are the years. odds that they just run him into the ground? Because you're talking about a guy with a 4.8 yards per no. yards per attempt in, in rushing, rushing 4.8 yards per carry. I don't. But that's like not. That's not. That's not who Chris Thompson is. I also not, don't but, like run into you the ground what? narratives. How often I, does I, that I really you. happen? It's very narrative-y. It's very narrative-y. But I think the the idea that we already know that Thompson's going to have a role in this offense, I would, uh, for example, I drafted James White in our money league. I would take that pick back, and I would pick Chris Thompson in place of him where I picked him in the ninth or 10th round. Well, not the 10th round, probably. Like, I would, I would now draft Chris Thompson because I know what that, what that role is that he's going to have. Plus, he does have an a, an outside shot, not not a all the way, but in the outcomes of possibilities, in the universe of possibilities, it's there that Chris Thompson is the main back for that team. I don't so, know, like, the dude gets hurt all the time, and he's way better at pass catching than he is running between the tackles. So I don't see why they would do that. I'm I'm I'm. It's a long shot. I'm just saying. It's we know that we know more. That Ryquel Armstead won't count, catch passes, then we do. Chris Thompson won't also, run run rushes. So just before we move on to the next piece of news, um, just Leonard Fournette. Um, if you have him already, are you dropping him? Um, if you don't have him, where do you draft him? Or uh, and then we'll talk about what. I mean, it all depends on the team, right? It's just like Alvin Kamara. If he goes to the Bears, then maybe that's something that seems a little bit all right. But if he goes to the Patriots in a crowded backfield, uh oh. Right, so you know. Yeah, I'm I'm not a fan of this guessing game. Um Would you hold on to him though? If you have him? Yeah, why not? Like he might get signed soon. If not dude, the season start doesn't start in ten days. So don't tell me that you need to drop him. Because you don't. Let's let me tell you let me ask you a question. You you're in a deep league with a lot of sharp players. You went zero RB. Fournette was your RB1. You have one more RB on the entire roster. Would you drop Fournette for Chris Thompson? I would at this point. I would you be would? drafting Leonard Fournette in the handcuffs. I just range. don't see how you don't have a player on the bench you'd rather drop in Fournette. Yeah, that's true, too. That's, that's my true. argument. Okay, okay. At least hold on so to drop, him just until he signs drop, somewhere. Drop somebody. Maybe not Fournette. Yeah. All right. Um, Joe Mixon, he gets paid. Four years, forty-eight million dollars. Not our favorite guy. So mixing it up, um, you know. Not our favorite guy in general. You know how we feel about Joe Mixon, but he is a workhorse back who will get work this year. Um, do you think it's a good move? Uh, they have Joe Burrow on a rookie contract, so they had the space. What do you guys think about this? That's that's the thing. Joe Burrow's on a rookie contract. Um, it's been shown that the best window to score, not to score, to win a championship, is during a rookie quarterback contract because when a quarterback gets paid that takes up like 30 at least percent of the cap if you have a good quarterback so the Bengals are going for it i guess they're putting um a lot of trust in joe burrow and a slightly improved offensive line i i would not have paid joe mixon 
let Burrow develop for a year, and then next year go all on it, go all in on helping the offensive line, getting some defensive ends, some cornerbacks, positions that have actually been proven to help win, and not a overrated running back. But what do I know? I'm just a guy <laughs> with a microphone. Um, all right. Anyway, you have any thoughts besides that for for this? I mean, deal? it's it's obviously good for fantasy purposes. The slim chance that he was going to hold out is gone. He's now going to be on the Bengals for four more years, so Dynasty owners can rejoice because, honestly, it's a big deal in, in Dynasty leagues when someone gets a second contract because you don't see it every yeah, day. Yeah. If yeah. he was become a free agent, there's a lot of question marks of what's going to happen. So it is good for fantasy purposes. Let's get that straight. Someone that Jason is getting higher and higher on, it seems, every single day in both Redraft and in Dynasty is Chris Carson. Uh, Chris Carson declared himself 100% after fracturing his hip. Um, I mean, a healthy Chris Carson is one of the best values in the draft because he's going as an RB2 and he could easily be an RB1. 100%. Um, you said it. Who's behind him? Carlos, Didu, Hyde. Rashad Penny the is on the pup. Again. Yeah, it's fun to say Didu. Rashad Penny's on the pup list. It's, it's just ooh, they draft DJ Dallas. Like, come on. Chris Carson's the guy. Pete Carroll's always going to run the ball. He improved last year to this year. More rushing yards, more receptions, more receiving yards. Nine touchdowns the last two seasons, and he's only entering his fourth year. He's got he's the most slept on running back in the league. It's yeah. crazy. It's because of how his... seventh rounders, UDFAs, uh. get slept on. For like Austin Eckler is still slept on. Draft capital just sticks in people's head for too long. Um, a couple of injuries over in Jetsland. Rashad Perriman has missed over a week what of the practice. Fuck, man? They said he's there's swelling in his knee. Jeez. Uh, remember, he did tear his PCL in 2015, sprained his ACL a year later. So this is the problem that has been giving him issues throughout his entire career. On top of that, Chris Herndon, <coughs> excuse me, um, <coughs> they think he should be fine, but he did leave Tuesday with an apparent chest injury. Yeah, he came he back have, the same day. He's fine. Yeah. He did have lung issues next year, last year, so I think that's something to, to at least consider. A lot of people are making a big deal out of this report that oh, the Jets, their first team offense, they went out there and they got dominated by the defense and they lost their scrimmage, uh, and the Jets had a bad day. Before you go into all that, just know this: the starting, the only receivers that were on the field for the Jets on Tuesday's practice, Josh Malone. Dante Moncrief, Jehu Chason, and George Campbell. Who, you might ask? Good Chicken question. I have no fucking idea who George Campbell is either. Um, so, let's not... George Campbell not brings good. chunky Campbells for the team to eat. You've seen the commercials. That's George Campbell. Yeah, they actually rookie haze him and make him bring Campbell soup for everyone. Um, I'm lying. It's not true. <laughs> Just now, uh, a lot of people have been uh, nervous about Le'Veon Bell, someone that we've even like kind of soured on a bit as the offseason has gone on and on and on, mostly because his coach keeps saying things like Frank Gore is the best uh, player in practice and Le'Veon Bell tweets that he's not going to be able to do anything if he's on the sideline all the time. And then they say that he has a uh, he tweaked something and then Le'Veon Bell goes, man, I'm, I'm healthy on Twitter. So it hasn't been good. But uh, Adam Gaze did say he wanted to do a better job of utilizing Le'Veon Bell as a receiver. He said, I feel like we can find better ways to get him the ball and help him create more explosive plays, uh, said Gaze. 
We can get him in space better than we did last year. Uh, Bell caught 66 passes in 2019, so um, it's you know it's 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 interesting because that's that's good news if you're if you've been listening. You have to take that with the same grain of salt you take any Adam Gase comment. You can't just be like the hater that goes, Adam Gase said that Frank Gore is the best, so that means they're not going to use Le'Veon Bell anymore, and also ignore when Adam Gase says they're going to use him more in the passing game. So if you weren't giving it big credence before, you're probably still the same on Le'Veon Bell, but if you were, this should improve your outlook on Le'Veon Bell. Honestly, I think it's a little ridiculous to think that Frank Gore was ever really going to actually eat into his workload a lot. It's just frustrating to see Adam Gase uh, just continue to do things to show that he's not the biggest Bell fan, which it it is frustrating. But look, as long as Le'Veon Bell's the the guy in New York, which he is, he's going to be, he's still going far too low at ADP. Like right now, getting him in like the fourth round, I'm I'm going to take him in the fourth round. Like in the middle of the third... <laughs> It was, it's a little riskier now, which where his ADP was like a couple months ago. Now he's more in the middle of the fourth. I'm taking him there all day. Yeah, him as your fourth best player is, is, a, is a good situation to be in. Um, J.K. Dobbins, uh, John Harbaugh said that he will likely have a significant role in the offense. Um, right now, J.K. Dobbins is going in those double-digit rounds, um, basically seen as a long shot to take over for a very productive Mark Ingram, who is 31 years old, though. Um, but he's been impressive in camp. What are your feelings on J.K. Dobbins? Have those switched up at all? He's, he's going too early. He's like a seventh-round pick. The upside is there, but so is Mark Ingram. So is Gus Edwards. Like, even Buck Allen is there, isn't he still? No. Like, Oh, all right. Whatever. The point is... Justice Hill. Justice Hill. That's what I meant to say. Wow, I said Buck Allen. I was reading Justice Hill in my head, and I said Buck Allen. So they have four running backs. They did spend capital on Dobbins. This is Ingram's last year. They brought him in on a short contract. He was very good last year. And Gus Edwards did get a lot of work last year. 700 yards rushing. So, but what do we expect Dobbins to be? He went to a very good team to be groomed into the lead role. And he's going to get touches, but he's going to end the season with like 600 yards. No, I don't know. Disagree. I had Dobbins on my my guys list. I think at his ADP. He's going in like the seventh round. He's going. You guys are bugging with your backup running back love this year, man. Kareem Hunt, J.K. Dobbins. You guys just want people who aren't going to be on the field. Dude, he's going. When I wrote my article, he was going as like the 40th running back off the board. Now he's up to like 35, which is a little worse. But. I lay it out how he could be RB25. If he takes Gus Edwards' rushing work and gets more pass-catching work, Mark Ingram saw 13 carries a game last year. The Ravens ran 37 times a, a week. There's enough to give J.K. Dobbins 10 touches a game. And in the NFL, if you're a talented running back in a dynamic offense, you could turn 10 touches into a game into a flex-viable player. And he has massive upside if something were to happen to Mark Ingram. Especially if you score and especially if you're catching passes, which is something that he does. I don't know, man. Well. This guy's catching. This guy's like the seventh play, best player on your team, and you want. I didn't say I'm picking him in the seventh round, but if it's like the eighth, ninth round, I'm okay taking him there because if you're going for bench pieces at that point, why not take J.K. Dobbins? Ninth round, fine. Seventh round is too early for my taste. Jason, seventh from last round year, is early. 
Jason, Jason from last year is mad at you right now. The the same one who was all over Austin Eckler. He's mad at you. He's saying, Jason, what what have you become? Um, this is completely so, different. Well, not Austin Eckler had a role even. Not for Kareem Hunt. You're talking about Kareem Hunt. Um, oh, Jordan, I'm not with the Kareem Hunt love either. Let's go to Jordan Reed real quick. We'll get to Kareem Hunt. So far, all the, the receivers have been out. George Kittle hasn't really practiced. Brandon Ayuk hasn't just got injured. Debo Samuel's been injured. Turns out 49ers tight end Jordan Reed was Jimmy Garoppolo's favorite receiver in last week's scrimmage. And you're going to hear in the in the 49ers version of the heat wave that's coming up, I kind of think Jimmy Jordan Reed's an interesting player Can to you watch. stop with Jordan Reed? I think this, you want to listen to the 49ers heat wave? It's this conversation. Tim, Jordan Reed's interesting. Me, come on, man. Michael, come on, man. I mean, there's something to be said about a team that has a very good player and no one else around him. Um, I mean, if you want to take a shot at Jordan Reed late in a, like a super late draft, so be it. But I'm not interested in Jordan Reed at the moment. Aaron Reese of The Athletic uh, put forth the idea that Brandon Cooks is having his reps carefully managed throughout August and could be eased into the team off, team's offensive game plan early in the season. Now, for those thinking that Brandon Cooks is going to come in and be the number one guy, this is a negative report, although it is just a report and you should take it with a grain of salt. What do you guys think? Brandon Cooks right now, uh, ADP-wise, I see him going before Will Fuller. Um, I also mm-hmm. see his ADP rising and rising. I know we got him in a in an industry best ball league in like the 10th round a, like a month ago. Now he's going in the 6th round. Um, you're paying up to get Brandon Cooks. Well, how do you feel about this after this report? Cooks's ADP has been on the rise. We a were little... definitely on the – we led the ADP train there. Like, Yeah, when he was a 10th round pick, we were all over him. I wrote about Brandon Cooks being a steal at ADP in the true value report, like an absolute steal. But now that he's going in the 6th round, he's basically – yeah, I've seen him go in front of Fuller, like you said. I've seen him go basically like right after Fuller, like back-to-back picks. I'm not okay with taking Brandon Cooks there just because of all the risk that comes along with it in the sixth round. I'd rather take someone else. But I'm not really buying this getting slowed into the offense, learning how to do it. Who's going to steal the work there? Kenny Stills, the career just deep threat who who just never really turned into much of anything. Last week, the conversation was him and Deshaun Watson have great chemistry. I guess it's just preseason talk at the moment. I'm not going to let it bother me. One thing that's not preseason. Oh, go ahead. So you have I was more to say. People that. are wising up because it's all about those true values, baby. And Deshaun Watson's a very good quarterback, and Cooks are going to see a lot of targets from him. Really disappointing. We don't usually talk defenses in this in this unless they're like defenses that we just really believe in. Um, but one of the defenses I believed in got a big loss. Derwin James needs surgery to repair his injured meniscus and will miss six to eight months. According to Justina Anderson, um, he was the most exciting piece in a very exciting Los Angeles Chargers defense. Um, for people who say safety doesn't matter, which was the um, very popular take to have during the whole Jamal Williams situation, um, it could not be further from the truth. Uh, there are many defenses anchored by a superstar safety um, throughout NFL history, two that you can think of right away. Ed Reed and Troy Palomalu. Um, these guys can lead the charge 
Are they going to be the piece that's going to make a defense great from from good? I, I mean, I said that, I said this the wrong way. Yeah, they're the piece, <laughs> they're the piece that's going to take a defense from great to good. They're not going to make it from bad to good. There you go. They're going to make it from good to great. They're gonna they're gonna be that missing piece to be great. And the fact but that that's he's why safety is over. You know, it sucks. It sucks, man. I was really I mean, on them. Derwin James is a big loss, though. I agree with Jason. Safe the safety position overall is overrated. Like that's why we were even bigger fans of the Jamal. We we were a lot bigger fans of the Jamal Adams trade than Tim was initially. But Tim, once he saw we got two first round picks, eased into it more. But yeah, plus we got McDougal back too. As you could tell, we're Jets fans. But yeah, I'm I'm upset about the Derwin James injury just because he's just fun to watch, yo. That dude is an absolute baller. And the Chargers are that they need Derwin James out there at safety. He's like the leader of that defense that of that secondary. So it hurts, but he they still have a very good defense even without Derwin James. So I still think they're going to be a viable defensive option this year. Might get the offense a few more plays per game, which would help for fantasy purposes. All right. Um, that is all for the news. There are some other little headlines, including... Uh, you know we haven't done news for a while since we've been doing the heat wave, since we just spent 33 minutes on news. What? 33 minutes? Emergency news, baby. To be honest, I was waiting for you to stop, and then you just kept bringing the news. And you know what? It's fun to talk about, so I didn't stop. I love, stop I love doing spreading this. the I mean, news. I love the heat wave and everything, but this is kind of like my favorite thing to do is like talk about what's going on right now. What's going um, on today? Peter King did call Darrington Evans a chance to be a poor man to Alvin Kamara. We're just going to leave that there, just so you know. Um, but hmm. now we are going to one of our favorite segments, the a segment... To end the, all the rest of the segments. Oh, yes. The put up or shut up time of the year itself. Oh, yes. The hat hangers. Who are we hanging our hat on this season, planting our flags on, and saying, This is my guy? Yeah, it's going to be great. I love it's this. Be great. Every, so every Michael, year, this is one of, the, one of our favorite episodes to do. For sure. 100%. Uh, this year, we're doing a little twist. After the person to be named we each have three my guys by the way so you're gonna get nine guys right now which is more than the other industry experts are giving you in episodes like this so holla at your boys you know what i'm saying holla, holla um, we're giving you three guys each and after that we're either gonna give it a cosign or we're gonna say nah we're gonna say yeah we agree or we're not we're gonna give a little explanation of why and then we'll move on and that's how the segment will go. Are you guys ready to get this rocking? Are you ready to rumble? Let's get it started. Ah. All right. Michael, let's start with you since you're to my left. Um, go, let's go clockwise in this biznatch. Who is your first hat hanger? Oh, do you guys? We didn't even say this before we get into everything. Do you guys want to do like our strongest hat hanger to our weakest? Or are you guys like just three total hat hangers and there's no particular order? I feel equal about the first two guys. Actually, I, I mean, I love all these guys. So. Yeah, I'd rather not do an order. Okay, let's not do an order. Michael, go ahead. Who's yeah, your first guy? Always got always to gotta do that, Tim. Such an idiot. And here we go, folks. Go! The first hat hanger for me. Whoa! Robert, Robert, Robert Woods. Of course. Would it be anyone else? Brodo community. New listeners. Just know I love Robert Woods. Jason wrote an article last season calling him an ice cream sandwich because he's underrated and great. Yep. And that just continues into this offseason because of no matter what Robert Woods does, he's underdrafted every year. He has beat ADP each of the last five seasons, the only player to do that in 
fantasy football. So guess what? He's going to do it again because he is being drafted as the wide receiver 24 on fantasy pros. Absolutely absurd. Robert Woods was the wide receiver 25 the first half of last season. So only one spot lower than his wide receiver 24 ADP now. And that was in the first half. And then their offense changed. I wrote an article back in May, but still holds true about how the Rams offense changed from 11 personnel 95% of the time to 12 personnel almost 45 to 50% of the time where Robert Woods and Tyler Higby became the guys on that offense playing every single snap. Robert Woods played 95% of the snaps for uh, from week 10 forward. 95%. He was the wide receiver five overall during that time. So we're talking about a guy who either the Rams go back to playing 11 personnel, where last season when they did that, their offense wasn't as good. They were more effective once they moved over to 12 personnel, and he was still the wide receiver 25 during that time. Or the Rams start using more 12 personnel, and Robert Woods is a beast again, coming out of always on the field. Like, he's the best pass-catching wide receiver. He's the best... Same with, same with Tyler Higby, who's the best pass-catching tight end. That's why Robert Woods and Tyler Higby became the two alphas on that team. And Cooper Cup had multiple games where he was hardly on the field. I mean, the dude saw less than 70% of the snaps. He was at 65%, I believe, of the snaps. He even had a game where he saw 34% of the snaps. Like, Cooper Cup was the odd man out, not Tyler Higby, not Robert Woods. And no more Todd Gurley either. Look, we love us some Cam Akers this year. We think he's a good pick at ADP. But if he's not Todd Gurley, are we going to be surprised? No. Like, Todd Gurley was elite two years ago and was even decent last year. So if Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, that group isn't quite as good and Jared Goff needs to pass even more, that's even more work for Robert Woods. So Robert Woods' ADP is an absolute joke right now. He's It's, it's a 100% guarantee he is the is a wide receiver one or wide receiver or or top half wide receiver two. Like he's going to be a top 18 wide receiver, 100% guaranteed. And he's going at wide receiver 24. So sign me up for Robert Woods all day, every day. I got to say, Michael, I co-signed this with a big stamp of approval. Um, I actually put this into practice in myself, the money league that we talk about all the time. Robert Woods is my wide receiver one. And the be, uh, because of guys like Robert, wide receiver, oh my God. Robert Woods at wide receiver, boom. Because of guys like this, I love this year in drafting because I am getting a top-notch tight end every single time that I draft because allowing me to get a top-notch tight end plus two running backs before I get a wide receiver, and I can still get a wide receiver of Robert Woods' quality as my wide receiver one, and I can go into the season with Robert Woods and DJ Chark or Robert Woods and Terry McLaurin. These type of dudes as my two wide receivers because most people play with two wide receiver spots and have two beast running backs and a tight end that's a beast. I want that all day. That's how I'm trying to set up my team. And Robert Woods is a guy that allows you to do that. I love Robert Woods this year. Same here. Oh, I'm supposed to either co-sign or... Um, or say nah. Or nah. I know what Jason's nah. going to do. Co-sign or nah. Co-sign that ice cream sandwich, baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you have, is that all you is that all you got? You Robert guys, Woods you is like the proto poster child. Yeah, everyone knows. Everyone all right, knows. so Jason, let's get let's get Jason. Let's get some passion going in Jason's blood since he doesn't have passion for Robert Hell Woods. Yeah. Jason, tell us someone you have passion for. Hell yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! 
Claude Edwards. Hell yeah, baby. Hell yeah. Hell girl. Dude, yes. Give me all the Clyde Edwards. I was, yo, you know it's real. When in our home league, I got the second pick. CMC landed in my lap because the first guy took Barkley. And I was upset that I couldn't have Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Like, that's how you know it's real. Dude, first of all, right now, my rankings have him. I have him at sixth overall, very close to fifth. I've been toying around with that. 12 spots versus his ADP, two spots over where the other experts have him. So, obviously, I am above expert consensus on him. And it is because the Chiefs running back is what you want in your life. If you look at who's behind him, Darwin Thompson, DeAndre Washington, Darrell Williams, get the fuck out of here. Those guys aren't good. Like, I, just enough, all right? Those guys aren't good. They spent a first-round pick on Clyde Edwards, hell yeah, with most of those guys in town. I don't think DeAndre Washington was there yet. And Andy Reid, as I said, always wants to use a workhorse. He's been he used a workhorse in Philly. He used a workhorse uh, in Kansas City. And then ever since Kareem Hunt left, he's been looking for that workhorse. And Damien Williams, when he's been healthy and on a roll, has been that workhorse. And now he opted out, and they have hell yeah ready to take the reins. If you remember back in 2017 with Alex Smith as quarterback, rookie Kareem Hunt averaged 18 carries, four targets a game, 1280. Uh, Sorry, and was running back four with Alex Smith. Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, is running that offense. Last I year, best running back three. Just just putting out there, according to Fancy Pros, he finished running back three that season. Maybe it was d- depending Either on way. standard half or full PPR. That's probably the difference. Chiefs running backs as a whole last season. A lot of guys who were injured, cycling in and out, Williams, McCoy, Thompson, they combined for 1,283 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns, 68 catches, 626 yards, 4 touchdowns, 361 PPR points. That is 60 more points than the RB2 Aaron Jones. God damn, bro. If CEH got 65% of that work, which is super low in my opinion, he would have been RB10. So I'm calling his floor RB10. And I think it's probably higher than that because his ceiling is RB1. Maybe two with CMC around. I was going to say maybe two. I mean, not like you, you guys mentioned, like not many people repeat as number it's one true. overall guy. Andy Reid said CEH reminded him of Brian Westbrook. In college, CEH had 1,860 rushing yards, seven touchdowns, 55 receptions. He can do it all. And now this Leonard Fournette talk, a respected Chiefs beat writer. I forget his name at the moment. I apologize. Respected Chiefs beat writer. <laughs> he said that the Chiefs said they have some interest in Fournette but it would be solely as a backup to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Like, they're making it clear that they believe in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and they don't believe in the other guys. That's what that tells me. If they want to bring in Fournette as a backup, that means they know that they have players behind CEH. Give me all the Edwards-Hilaire. Hell yeah. Hell yeah! You're even on the board, even if Fournette gets hurt? You know I mean, signed? Even if he gets signed, I'm taking him. Wow. Jason, I gotta, I gotta give you the cold sign on Clyde Edwards. Hell yeah, man! I just, uh, the opportunity is too much to, to talk about it. We, we already mentioned our affinity for a guy by the name of Brett Coleman. Um, he is a guy who, who uh, breaks down tape on YouTube. Um, he's very educated. His, his breakdowns usually go a long way. Um, and he had Clyde Edwards Hilaire graded as the best running back coming out, not DeAndre Swift. Not J.K. Dobbins, not Jonathan Taylor. No, he had Clyde Edwards, hell yeah, as his number one 
running back. And so did Andy Reid. And those two guys had them as the number one running back. That shows you what's up. I assume, Tim, that you are co-signing. I, I said already co-signing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Co-sign. I'm going to co-sign here as well. Clyde Odertelia in the first round. That's when you want to take... If you're going to take a risk, you might as well take it on the Chiefs running back. All the fantasy uh, nerds that want to be cool with their uh, contrarian takes and get followers that way are all giving you reasons not to draft Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and those guys are stupid. Um, My guy, it's time. I want to scream my love for this man from the mountaintops. Marco, Mark, I love you so. Never will I let you go. Mark Andrews is my hat hangers, hat hanger for this season. Now, last season, he did me well. He was my hat hanger last season. I hung my hat on him and I said, don't draft any tight ends. Don't do it. Wait and get Mark Andrews in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. And he paid off in a big way. 10 touchdowns, 900 yards. But even more than that, I am in love with his opportunity. We mention a lot of times on this podcast that it is efficiency plus opportunity that equals fantasy greatness. And there is a small segment of the population that achieves fantasy greatness only because of volume. And there is another small segment that achieves fantasy greatness only because of efficiency. Last year, Mark Andrews was someone who got fantasy greatness solely because of efficiency. Last season, he only saw 43% of the snap share, yet he led his team in targets, receptions, yards, and tight end. I, I, and, t- and touchdowns. <laughs> he is a tight end. He also led them in tight ends. He cemented himself as Lamar Jackson, the MVP, his favorite weapon. Now you take that, his incredible efficiency, not to mention his hog rate, not to mention his number one rating in target distance, not to mention his number three rating in contested catches overall in the league. And you take that and you combine it with the extended opportunity that you have by trading away Hayden Hurst. I don't know if anyone realizes this, but Hayden Hurst was not only in that offense last year, he was a big part of it. Hayden Hurst was thrown to on 23% of the snaps last season. This guy was involved. Now he takes that incredible efficiency and he combines it with opportunity because this team has seen the light. They have seen everything you need to see. When you look at Mark Andrews on the field, he just looked different. He's bigger than the other guy. He's stronger than the other guy. When he's lined up against a safety or a linebacker, he's faster than the other guy. He looks like George Kittle. He looks like Travis Kelsey when he plays on the field because of the athleticism that he brings to the field. And the Ravens have identified that, and they said, hey, we want to give you more opportunity so they got rid of Hayden Hurst now what's the big deal they got rid of their backup tight end well Hayden Hurst saw 39% snap share last year that's only 4% lower than Mark Andrews he was in the slot 
Hayden Hurst was, 20% of the time he was on the field. Look at Mark Andrews. Mark Andrews was on, in the slot 34% of the time he was on the field. So he was used as Mark Andrews when Mark Andrews wasn't on the field. And he was not as efficient as Mark Andrews. Now, if you give those opportunities to Lamar Jackson, who for the first two years of his career has thrown to tight ends in his career more than he's thrown to running backs and wide receivers combined. And you take that guy and you put him on the field more and you give him more opportunities. And you take a guy with, with stats like number one in target distance, number three in contested catches, number one in hog rate, which means he saw the biggest percentage of opportunities when he was on the field than anyone else in the league last season. And now you're putting him on the field more. Boom. He had, he had 20 deep targets too. This That's number one in all tight ends. This is not a guy who's just going to be hitting the middle of the field. On top of that, a third of the time he came out of the slot. That's going to happen again, plus those slot shares that Hayden Hurst gave up. In my drafts, I love the strategy, and I've been doing this in almost every draft I've had so far. I, I love taking running back, running back, and on the way back in the third round, taking Mark Andrews. Because Mark Andrews right now is going at the back of the third round earliest, and he's even going in the fourth round in most leagues. And I think that if you want to jump up and get him, I think that the number one, uh, the number one tight end on this offense is going to be completely valuable. He is going to be the number one wide receiver for Lamar Jackson, and his opportunity is only expanding after a second-year dominance. When you look at him on the field, you see what he is. He is better than the person opposite him. And I want that guy on my team. I just talked about Robert Woods, how he allows me to have a wide receiver one, even though I'm drafting in the fourth round. I believe that taking Mark Andrews in the third round is something that I want to do in every draft. Mark Andrews, I am hanging my hat on this year. Give me all the Mark Andrews. I love you, dude. I love you. You get a half cosign for me, cause I've I've loosened up my Mark Andrews take throughout the off season. I was a little bit off him earlier, but as the season has progressed, I've gotten more and more interested in him. I got him in a couple places, but I'm not paying a third round capital for him. If he falls to the fourth round or even the fifth, I got him in the fifth round one time, then I'll take the shot. I just I'm not paying a third round capital for. Mark Andrews, because that means you're missing out. You're taking him over guys like Kenny Galladay, Mike Evans, Allen Robinson, DJ Moore, which I'm just Allen Robinson and DJ Moore. Yes, not necessarily Kenny Galladay and Mike Evans. I I would take Mike Evans and Kenny Galladay over him, but I would take him over Allen Robinson and DJ Moore. I'm not co-signing. I I don't like taking tight ends early. That's the only thing. It's not that I don't believe in Mark Andrews. Like in our home league, I took Kittle, and I don't really like it. I was forced into Kittle because. At that point, he was the best player left. But I don't really like taking tight ends early. There's so much talent there early in the draft, and you can get tight ends later and stream them because at the end of the day, a top tight end isn't usually putting up wide receiver one numbers. Oh, but Mark Andrews will. Although I do like Andrews. If you want to take Andrews, that's fine. I'm willing to put a bet down that he finishes as a wide receiver two or better in his stats. I think he'll end as a top 24 receiver. Yeah. All right, wide receiver 12, I'll say then. <laughs> oh, He'll end up as a wide receiver 1 in the tight end position. I'll take that bet. Yeah, I'll take that bet too. All right, let's 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 do it. Write it down, kiddo. I'm doing it now. 
All right, Michael. After you done writing on that bed, give us a second. Hat hanger. We that we started off hot. I I must say, hot stuff. I'll go. I'll go. Hot shit. All right. For me is someone I just mentioned. Someone that I want more of. I want more of. (laughs) Who? DJ Moore. Oh, that was so clever. Ha 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 ha. DJ Moore had a very nice rookie season. 788 yards, two touchdowns, 55 receptions on 82 targets. His sophomore season, though, 87 receptions, 1,175 yards, four touchdowns on 135 targets. This game came with Kyle Allen as his quarterback, the undrafted QB who got thrown into the fire after Cam's injury who is now in Washington backing up Dwayne Haskins. We don't like Teddy Bridgewater at all here at Brodo. Third-stringing Dwayne Haskins. We are very outspoken about our disdain for Teddy Bridgewater. I want to say disdain, but you guys. Disdain for Jason and myself. Maybe not for you. But (laughs) Teddy Bridgewater, even though he's at best an average game manager QB, he is leaps and bounds above Kyle Allen. And that is why DJ Moore is going to turn into a star this season. DJ Moore is 23 years old. Like he turned he turned 20 he turned 23 in April. So it's not even like he he's turning 24 in a month or something. This is a 23-year-old season coming up. So this is he put up Yes, he put up nearly thanks Tim for explaining that. He put up nearly 1200 yards last year as a 22-year-old. Now he has Teddy Bridgewater. He's 23 years old. It's his third year in the league. He is going to take that leap into superstardom. Last year, with Teddy Bridgewater under center, Michael Thomas averaged 13 targets, 10 receptions, 106 yards, and a half touchdown per game. Monstrous numbers. I'm not saying DJ Moore is Michael Thomas. I'm saying DJ Moore is going to operate similarly to Michael Thomas as the intermediate short funnel pass catcher because Teddy Bridgewater does not throw down field. They both run slants a ton. DJ Moore is incredible after the catch. He's better than Michael Thomas after the catch. He's one of the best yak uh, receivers in the league. And he's just going to... He's going to be targeted so much. And the Teddy Bridgewater offense actually fits to DJ Moore's style. And I just think he is someone who is an absolute stud and is going to be an absolute stud in this league. And not buying him this season is not buying him in the season where he goes off. Because he has just gotten better and better through his two years in the league. And now going into this offseason, he's healthy. He's looking like a beast yet again. More It's power. DJ Moore. Even Greg Olson is gone, who t- who ate away a bunch of targets last season. Ian Thomas is there now, but, I mean, who knows how many... And Ian Thomas just got hurt, too. Like, he's dealing with a foot injury. So that's an, just another reason why DJ Moore... This guy could see 10 targets a game easily. And he's just going to be a monster and someone I've literally been drafting every single time I can get him. I didn't get him in our home league because I have the third pick in the 12th round and he got picked one pick before me, I believe it was. And I was absolutely crushed, absolutely devastated. But so DJ Moore is someone. 12th pick in the third round, not third pick in the 12th round. Yeah, excuse me. I had the 12th pick in the third round and he got picked the 11th pick in the third round and I was devastated. So I'm just all over DJ Moore this year. I, I co-sign that, too. Um, I'm big on DJ Moore. Another thing is Curtis Samuel is said to be looking horrible in camp. So 
Um, that's just another reason why DJ Moore will probably get peppered. I think that that offensive line hasn't taken a step up. Uh, in fact, they lost a couple pieces. So Teddy Bridgewater will need to get the ball out quick. Um, and I think I, I like the comparison you said with Michael Thomas, not necessarily that he is Michael Thomas, but he will be using the short intermediate routes. A lot of people think see DJ Moore and they think like, oh, he's a small guy. He's fast. He's just an outside receiver, but he's more Steve Smith in the fact that he's more of a go, go get the ball and make shit happen after the play. And, and he'll go in the middle of the field and on a slant and, and beat you on that. So the dude could do everything. I think, yeah, he's more Steve Smith than he is anything. So I, I, I feel like I, I like him going into this year. Hmm. Jason, I'm going to give it a cost. Half cosigning. I'm not fully co-signing. Michael's gotten me a little bit more on the DJ Moore board. You guys know how I am. I mean, I'm the creator of True Value, so maybe I take quarterback into consideration a little bit too much. And I really do hate Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, but, dude, I don't believe in Robbie Anderson. That guy's a stick who can't hold on to a ball. And Curtis Samuel's not looking good. Someone has to catch the ball. So... I do think DJ Moore is going to get a lot of work this year, so I'm okay with taking him. I just can't fully co-sign. Jason, I think he's a tremendous third-round pick, man. I'm telling you, DJ Moore is going to be a top 15 pick next season. I could see it happening. Jason, who's your? All right, who's your? So uh, I'll just tell you right now how much I like this guy. That's the whole point of the segment. I was deciding between him and George Kittle in the second Ooh. round. That's how high I am over consensus right now. It's AJ Brown. Oh, yeah. Oh, snippity snappity. I got I AJ Brown. Fucking love me some AJ Brown. Michael quick, has him in I want to cut you off real quick because this is fucking pissed. Because this is a funny question. I mean, a funny story. Jason literally, I ended up getting AJ Brown 12th round, 12th pick, third round. I don't know why I keep saying 12th round, third pick. 3.12, I selected AJ Brown. Jason sends me an offer earlier today, and it's a terrible offer. I literally just turned to him because we're in the same room. I'm like, dude, what is this? Get, get this out of my face. And he just goes, it's just me showing you that I really want A.J. Brown. It's like, so offer me a better trade. What are you doing? That is Go ahead. All right. True values, baby. That's what it's about. Ryan Tannehill was first in true throw value last season, meaning every time he threw the ball, more fantasy points were put on the field than any other quarterback. He was the most efficient quarterback in the NFL last season. And A.J. Brown, despite only seeing 26 targets, and not really being involved in the offense until later in the year, was 26th in true target value. He like he did a lot with those targets, considering that he didn't see that many last season. And his numbers show that. He only saw 82 targets. He had 52 catches, 1,051 yards, and 9 touchdowns. Ryan Tannehill last season threw the third least passing attempts. 432 attempts. Third least in the league. At the end of last season, in the second half of the year... A.J. Brown averaged almost 25% target share. 25% of that is 108 targets. 25% of what Tannehill did last season. I anticipate Tannehill throwing even more, but let's look at if A.J. Brown did see that many targets. Because if you take what A.J. Brown did at the end of last season, his last eight games, take that pace and put it to 16 games, he would have saw 100 targets for 60 receptions 1,406 yards and 10 touchdowns. This is a dynamic duo. Tannehill's not a fluke. He was sixth in true throw value in Miami. A.J. Brown had one of the highest yaks 
of all receivers last year. This guy can do things with the ball in his hand. He averaged 14 yards per target in the second half last season. That's absurd. And that yeah, was on a pace. Yard after catch for those who are unfamiliar. And at the end of last season, he was on pace. That pace was 100 targets for the season. They lost pieces on the defense. Logan Ryan, Wesley Woodyard. They know what Tannehill can do now. This is his first year entering Tennessee as the starting quarterback. They extended him. I think A.J. Brown is going to see around 120 targets this season and be an animal, a straight animal. And his FFPC ADP right now is 45th. Wow. A.J. Brown is an amazing third-round pick, in my opinion. And his ADP is back end of the fourth. I, so that's how high I am on A.J. Brown compared to consensus. Another another guy that I love this year because it gives me a chance to have a wide receiver one and and leap for my guy in the third round, Mark Andrews, and not take the chance of letting Andrews slip away in search for a, a wide receiver one. Because I'd rather have an, a guy like A.J. Green over a guy like – I mean, I'm A.J. Brown over a guy like Allen Robinson. Like, I'd rather have A.J. Brown than Allen Robinson. And – that's the kind of guy you're getting in the second round. I, like, I have I like co-signed Jason because there is something that scares me about about the fact that even when you pace out that you only paced out 60 catches. So he's a big play player. So it makes me a little like Mike Evans. It makes me a little scared that he might disappear some games when he doesn't get the big play, um, especially in that offense. But you know, besides that. I, I agree with you. So I have I, I give you the half cosine. Even like the three fifths cosine. I give you the cos. I got I got Brown and A Rob at the three four turn. It was glorious in our home league. But I, I give you the cosine for AJ Brown. I'm all aboard the AJ Brown train too. People who are fading him, their only reason is will he see enough targets? That's good enough for me. If you don't have a legitimate reason except I don't think he's gonna see enough targets. The dude is clearly a baller. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to my second guy. That's the only reason why I'm a little bit a little bit hesitant. My my second guy. I feel like as the offseason has grown, this guy has been more um associated with Michael because Michael has really taken and championed this uh guy as well. And there has been some doubt on my end because lately the guys around him seem to be dropping like flies, including his starting left tackle and his starting right guard, both of whom were one of the better duos in the league. But I believe in this guy so much, and he's hurt right now. But I believe in this guy Say so much that, I'm, <laughs> that I'm going to put my hat on him. And it is... I will run 500 miles. Sanders. Oh, geez. That's is my second hat hanger. Even though all the things that I just said, yes, his starting right guard and his starting left tackle are hurt. Yes, he has been a little bit hurt, but they say he's going to be fine for week one. I am taking all of that risk because I love not only the player, I love the opportunity. The player himself, let's talk about him. He has the makings of a stud. Last season in weeks 15 and 16, he finished with 71 points combined. And when he got the work, which was those weeks as well, he shined without Jordan Howard. Mm -hmm. He was the RB 15 overall. Even though in the first half of the year, he was bad enough where Michael actually dropped him in a league, which I then picked him up and, and really ended up doing well. With. So you? thank you, Michael. I did. Because he was, was not, he was getting no work. 
He was getting no work. He was he was literally a, an afterthought. Chris, uh, Chris Clement was getting work over Corey him. Clement. He was a third. Jeez Louise. Corey Clement. Sorry. Chris Clement is the former pitcher. The former pitcher, yeah, for the Cubs. He still finished RB15 overall. He's a dual threat. We mention this all the time. 800 yards, rushing yards, 500 receiving yards. He's one of only four players to do that last season. The other guys, CMC, Fournette, Dalvin Cook. And Fournette's one of those guys who gets all of his success because he gets all the carries. Of all the players who have ever done that in their entire career, he has done it in the least amount of snaps. Six total touchdowns on top of that. They say he wasn't a polished runner in between the tackles last year. I say, okay, touche. I see what you're talking about, uh, certainly. But that's what they said about CMC yep. in his second season as well. There is room for improvement. He has the draft capital. He followed Saquon Barkley at Penn State and had a almost equally as successful journey when Saquon left Penn State. They didn't lose any type of production in their running game. And that's Saquon Barkley. And on top of that, who does he have backing him up? Boston Scott. Yeah, he's cool, but he's a little guy. He's a scat back. Corey Clement. Yeah, we've seen that before. He is going to be the guy. And not only that, his running backs coach is singing his praises. Deuce Staley's like, yeah, we want to get him as many. He said more than 20 touches a game, he said. He said that out of his mouth. His whole mouth? My whole ears heard that. I love everything about it. Now, I love Miles Sanders two weeks ago a little bit more before he got hurt and before his offensive line started dropping like flies. Um, but with that being said, I think that he is still going to be a dynamic player. I still think that he is a tier a tier two running back if tier one is only the top four guys. Um, I think he's a tier two running back. I think he's right in there um, with all those guys, Josh Jacobs, Kenyon Drake, um, I would still, I, I, he's in that mix, and I really believe in him to be a, a running back one this year. So, uh, Miles Sanders, that is my guy, my hat hanger, the guy I've been hanging my hat on since the season ended last season. I'm sticking with it, even though there's a little bit more circumstances around it. Cool. Miles Sanders, you're my guy. Signature. Signing off. Cosign here as well. The entire right. Brodo Fantasy. Incorporated crew has some. We love their names. We love us some Miles Sanders. Um, Michael, your third and final hat hanger. My third and final hat hanger. Who is it? The one and only Austin Hooper. Mm. You're about to say Boston hmm. Scott for a second. I'm like, this is crazy. He was born in the darkness. Of course. But look, Austin Hooper is not someone I've always loved, right? Like, I wasn't praising Austin Hooper last season. I wasn't actively like targeting him in all my drafts but guess what he absolutely exploded onto the scene he's gotten better every single year in the league right like his his rookie season he was whatever sophomore season he got slightly better was usable every now and then his third season he was decent like he was a streaming option and then last year the dude was an absolute beast fourth year in the league 25 years old Right where these star tight ends are created, like around that age, around that time in the league, he was better than Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, all other tight ends went healthy last season. The overall tight end won. Let's not forget that. The overall tight end won. And then guess what happens? He becomes a free agent. 
He turns that into the richest tight end contract ever at the time when he signed. Kittle and Kelsey have both since demolished it. But a four-year, $42 million deal to go to Cleveland. It's likely that targets may be harder to come by in Cleveland. I'm not saying he's guaranteed to get as many targets as he was on pace for in Atlanta. But Hooper is currently going off the board as a tight end 11. The tight end 11 last year was Jason Witten who averaged four receptions, 33 yards, and a quarter touchdown per game. Austin Hooper is just simply better than this, folks. He's 25 years old. He just broke out, just was paid the most money ever for a tight end before Kittle and Kelsey got contract extensions. And now he's going to a team where, okay, oh, oh, they have weapons. They got OBJ. They have Landry. They have Chubb in the backfield. Hunt. Kitchens is gone. The throw last year out the window, the fact that they didn't use David Njoku, the fact that they just did not have a good offense last season, Kevin Stefanski is coming over. The fact of the matter is, Kevin Stefanski knows how to utilize tight ends. Kyle Rudolph was the tight end 14 last season. Kyle Rudolph, we all know, is not the best tight end ever, and he's well past his prime. Irv Smith was a top 20 tight end. Put them together, they're probably top 10. I don't know why I just thought of this now, putting Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith together, but it's likely a top 10 tight end. The year prior, Kyle Rudolph was a tight end 7. The year prior, Kyle Rudolph was a tight end 7. The year prior, when Kyle Rudolph was really in his prime, was the tight end 5. The last time the Vikings targeted the tight end less than 97 times in a season was in 2008, 12 years ago. Kevin Stefanski has been with the Vikings since 2006. He even operated as a tight end coach for a two-year stretch. Where Stefanski goes, tight end production follows. And Austin Hooper is a 25-year-old who just showed that he could be an elite fantasy producer. I like to say this, sometimes fantasy football doesn't have to be that hard. Austin Hooper's ADP is an absolute joke, and he's an absolute great pick if you decide to wait on the tight end position. Hmm. I co-signed. Co-sign. I, I co-signed this. Yeah. Uh, be, I, I read an article today that also the beat writers have been saying for weeks, but as 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 recently as today, that Austin Hooper looks like the best Brown in camp by far. Shocking. And you're talking about you're talking about a team with OBJ, with Jarvis Landry, with Kareem Hunt, with Nick Chubb, with David Njoku, who's an athletic freak on the field too. Like they're singing the praises of Austin Hooper. So they didn't give him the largest tight end contract in history to have him sit down. He's going to be involved. And I love him way more than Hayden Hurst, who's going way earlier in drafts because people are assuming that it was the Falcons tight end position that gave him that success. And I'm telling you, it was Austin Hooper who gave that position success. Not the other way around. Hooper was even good before last year. He wasn't. Um, Jace, so that's it. Michael's done I mean, with his Hooper, hat What do you mean? Hooper wasn't bad before last year. Oh, I'm, I'm saying that as a thing against Hurst. Oh, right. Hurst, It yeah. took time right. for Hooper to get acclimated. Sorry, I office. just heard Hooper slander. And, oh. <laughs> Jason, who's your last hat hanger? My last hat hanger going to hang my hat. This guy, honestly, is more <laughs> of just a feeling. Like, I'll tell you some stuff about him. But I just don't see how he can't repeat last year's numbers and more. And thus, his ADP is a joke. And that's DJ Chark. As I've been doing more and more drafts, I've realized I'm basically getting DJ Chark on all my teams. 
His ADP is too low. Last year, he had 73 catches, 1,008 yards, and 8 touchdowns. Those are very good numbers. And get this, on the low, it wasn't until week 9 last year when DJ Chark's snap share increased to 89% or better every game. The first 8 weeks, he never passed 82% of snaps. And most of the time, it was much lower than that. So when you're looking at his season numbers, you need to consider the fact that he barely even played until the second half of last season. After week 8, he averaged over 8 targets per game, which would put him on pace for around 128 targets this season, with the chance to go higher, because believe it or not, Jacksonville's going to be even worse this year. They're going to pass, pass, and they're going to pass. Leonard Fournette left out 100 targets up for grabs in that Jacksonville offense, and there aren't that many weapons outside of DJ Chark. Chenault's a rookie who will have to prove himself. We've seen D.D. Westbrook before. We've seen Chris Conley for five years. D.J. Chark is going to be the alpha in that offense, and when they have to pass, it's going to go to him. And he's being drafted as if he didn't put up 1,000 yards and eight touchdowns last season. So just based on value, I'm hanging my hat on D.J. Chark because I have him on so many teams just because it doesn't make sense. I think also you have to think about, like, he had a great rapport with Gardner Minshew. He's going into his third year. He had high draft capital. And he's also a good receiver. He makes contested catches. He, he didn't he drop a single con- pass last year. He he consistently beats man and zone coverage, according to um, Matt Harmon's reception perception on the Fantasy Footballers website. He's, he's a good receiver, and he's going to get a lot of volume. It's the same reason why I like Terry McLaurin this year. I think both of them forget their quarterback situations. They're both great receivers who get open and are going to get mad volume. Give me that shit. Um, I co-sign DJ Chark. I co-sign as well. He's another guy that I'm really happy because he allows me to get Mark Andrews in the third round. Yeah, give me those co-signs, Berber. Yeah, give me that um, co-sign. <sighs> yeah, give me that My co-sign. last co-sign <sighs> is someone who I am co-signing not only the talent, but the opportunity. And a lot of people might not feel that the opportunity is there. That's okay. Tim likes to discuss the player for about 45 minutes before telling you who it is. I'm going Kareem Hunt, all right? The 25-year-old, fourth-year running back. Not many people may realize that he's only 25 years old, one year older than Nick Chubb. I'm going to start with the most important thing, and that most important thing is talent before we get to his opportunity. This is a guy who led the league in broken tackles in his rookie season. He did this on his way to 782 yards from scrimmage and 11 total touchdowns. 53 catches on 63 targets. That would have been good for RB3 in half PPR rankings. That's his rookie season. That's pre-Pat Mahomes. That's an Alex Smith-led squad. Let's go over to the next season. The next season, he is absolutely dominating fantasy and the NFL yet again. Through 11 games, 1,202 yards from scrimmage, 14 touchdowns, 7 of which came through the air. Then a video came out in which he's doing a very terrible and regrettable thing that he's since apologized for. We're going to stay on the field for this. Yeah, Had he kept you're not up... going to win the Hunt argument there. So let's no, just... no, 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 no. That, that's <laughs> not an argument I'm making in favor of Kareem Hunt. <laughs> if he would have kept up the pace that he had previous to this video coming out, this is not an injury, this is just, you know, a situation. He would have finished with 1,200 yards rushing. 550 yards receiving on 38 catches and 20 total TDs. That would have been good for RB4. 
So we're talking about a guy who has enough talent to finish RB3 and RB4 in his first two seasons on the field. So now you know what you're, he's capable of. Let's get to the opportunity. Well, Nick Chubb is in the backfield, so Hunt is going to be limited. That's the fear. But fear not, because opportunity awaits. Last season, only Tariq Cohen spent more of his time in the slot, 39%, than Hunt did, one-third of his snaps. Hunt's 4.6 receptions per game was seventh among all running backs last season. And that includes two running backs, Tariq Cohen and James White, who were exclusively pass catchers. The other five guys that did that were the elites. Saquon Barkley, CMC, Dalvin Cook, etc. He spent time in the receiver's room during camp this year, which means they are going to deploy him in the slot, if not just as much, even more. He was also on the field 54% of the time last season, even though he didn't get into a game until week 10. He was on the field 60% of the time, four of the last five weeks. During this time, despite having Nick Chubb on the field, he was who was a running back, by the way, who was more efficient than Derrick Henry, Hunt saw 309 snaps to Chubb's 377. These are guys who are both getting work and sharing the field. Although Chubb obviously out-attempted him on the ground, 144-43, to 43, he outpaced Chubb by almost the same ratio through the air, 44 targets to Chubb's 17. Over the last five games, Hunt out-snapped Chubb three times and outproduced him in PPR points on average in those games, 13-11. to 11. But it's a new head coach and a new offense is the other fear. Don't worry. In fact, don't worry even, you might be even happier. Kevin Stefanski ran two running back sets 21% of the time last season. That's second in the NFL only to San Francisco. Almost a third of the completions for the Vikings last season under Kevin Stefanski went to a running back. That's tied for second in the league, tied with New Orleans, who has Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. And only behind the, the Chargers, who fed both Eckler and Gordon through the air. With an ADP of RB28, he's being drafted as a part-time running back, but he is so much more than that. He will have flex appeal for you every week. If you went zero running back early and you got some great tight ends or a couple of great wide receivers, then he is the perfect RB2 for you to have in your RB2 slot at that price. He would also... And if Chubbs goes down, you have yourself a bona fide league winner. Bona fide. I co-signed all that. I don't know how anyone is passing on Kareem Hunt right now at his ADP. And I don't know how people aren't learning the lesson from Austin Eckler last year and from many running backs in the past that there can be two fantasy viable players on the same team. I'm going to co-sign that ass. <laughs> I don't know what that what? means. That's what my that way of saying I'm not co-signing. You're stupid. That's fine. I just... Dude, <laughs> I honestly... It's not super scientific. You guys can throw stats at me. I'm not spending my fifth round pick on a backup running back. That's right, it. Austin, Austin Eckler last Name season, one so other Eckler. backup running back who's going that high. Austin but Eckler. he's not Tevin, a Austin backup. Eckler last year Tevin was Hilford going like years. the seventh round. And he no, no. had a role. We don't know what this role is. 
The only time we've ever seen Kevin Stefanski is when he was using Dalvin Cook as his only back. Um, Actually, Jason, uh, he ran two running back sets 21% of the time last season. That's second in the NFL, only in San Francisco. Oh, so you want Hunt on the field 21% of the time? No. And then if that he replaces much better than Alex, if he replaces Nick Chubb at points, what's he going to see? Forty percent of the snaps. Uh, and if he plays in the slot, he saw fifty-four percent of the snaps in all of his games last year. You're not going to take. You got to believe in talent. You're just not going to take this talent off the field. He could. I'm not going to believe in the talent because Nick Chubb is so damn talented. He's going to be the main running back. Stefanski likes throwing to tight ends, as Michael just said, talking about Austin Hooper. He likes the funneling to two guys, OBJ. And Jarvis Landry. Dude, Kareem Hunt could legitimately be the fifth option on the team. I don't I don't see it. I see the upside. If Chubb gets hurt, Hunt will win your league. There's nah, a chance no, that Hunt more than that. runs some offensive plays. There's a chance that he gets on the field with Chubb. I see all of that. I'm not spending a fifth round pick on a backup running back. You can call him a backup running back. I think I think it's uh it's it's too little of a hole to fit him into. He should be a starter somewhere. It's not anything against his talent, but right I, now he's I a backup running back. You'll see when he plays yeah. when he's the starting slot receiver, you'll see. Yeah, I'm not um, I'm not agreeing with Jason here. I co sign. So we have a we have those are our three hat hangers, but we also have a long shot. Um, so we're just going to quickly go over our long shot. Michael, who's your long shot? Yeah, first I just want to give a... The, yeah, by the way, the, the long shot is a guy that we're not necessarily telling you to draft, but we think that has a good chance to greatly outperform his ADP. Quick shout out to Chris Herndon because uh, his ADP is way too low. But my long shot, I went super long here, is someone who's not being drafted basically ever. And that's Chris Conley of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Wow. Okay. Chris Conley played 77% of the snaps in 2019. 10% in the slot, so most of it was out wide. He saw 91 targets. Of those 91 targets, he put up 47 receptions, 775 yards, and five touchdowns. He was 13th in yards per reception last year, averaging over 16 yards per catch. He was 61st in true throw value, yet he ended his wide receiver 40. Now, D.D. Westbrook, on the other hand, oh, everyone who thinks LaVisca Chenault is coming in and Chris Conley's getting pushed to the side. D.D. Westbrook played 74% of the snaps, so already a little less than Conley last season. 75% at the slot. He saw 101 targets. He had 66 receptions, 660 yards, and three touchdowns. Disgustingly inefficient compared to Chris Conley. He was outside the top 80 in yards per reception, yards per route run, and yards per target. He was 44th in true target value and ended as wide receiver 52. Jason was talking up LaVisca Chenault earlier about how he could move anywhere. I think people who are expecting D.D. Westbrook to keep his role in the slot and Chris Conley to move from the outside are absolutely nuts. The Jaguars kept Chris Conley. They brought him back this season despite the fact that they have, that they drafted a wide receiver, despite the fact that they still have D.D. Westbrook on their contract, D.J. Chark. They clearly like Chris Conley. I think Chenault's going to enter the fold, is going to move around a bunch, is going to take D.D. Westbrook off the field more so than Chris Conley, and the Jaguars lined up with three wide receivers 68% of the time in 2020. Why would that change now with Leonard Fournette gone and Josh Oliver getting season-ending surgery? They are going to be lining up with three wide receivers all the time. They're expected to have the lowest win uh, 
the lowest amount of wins in all of the NFL, so they're going to be throwing the ball a ton. Chris Conley is currently going as wide receiver 90. He's one of my favorite, probably my favorite dart throw in like the 20th round in best balls, and someone I guarantee you at one point this season is going to be over 50% owned, despite the fact that he's absolutely free and will likely start the season 1% owned. He's going to have blow-up weeks. He's going to win people. Guarantee you he's in a million-dollar DraftKings lineup too. Guarantee. Chris Conley is going to have some blow-up weeks, and he's going to help win people some weeks, and he's absolutely free, and he's someone I think long shot here could be very good this season for absolutely free. Three things I'm realizing right now. Number one, I'm I'm woefully underprepared for my long shot in in terms of how many notes I brought compared to Michael. Right, well, Second long thing, shot is more of just like a... Yeah, yeah I just I, I feel strongly about Chris, Chris Conley. Chris Conley has always been for me one of those guys where you see him on the field and you're like, oh, that makes sense. He's nice. But he's never been able to put it together. You know what I mean? Last season, he was a lot better than people think. True. Jason, who's your long shot? It's funny who my long shot is, man. First, I want to clarify that long shot. We should have specified what long shot actually meant. Like we did, we couldn't say like Duke Johnson, right? Like we're talking about like, like outside the. We're talking about like people who are being top, undrafted yeah. type guys. People who are being yeah. people who are not being drafted as starters or not being drafted at all. All right, well, Tim, Lavisca Chenault. <laughs> you, you guys both have a wide receiver. And to be honest, it doesn't. Su- it surprises me. Obviously, it's weird. It doesn't fully surprise me, though, because four different wide receivers for the Jaguars last year had over 90 targets. So it's an offense that's going to pass and spread the ball around. I Obviously, we all like DJ Chark at his current ADP. He's going to be the number one. He's going to see the majority of the targets. But there are going to be other passes to go around. Uh, the Sports Illustrated beat writer for Jacksonville recently said that he's getting a lot of work out of the slot and could be the slot receiver starting from week one. There you go. Later, Didi. I mentioned earlier that LaVisca Chenault literally lined up every single place on earth in college. So even though his route running isn't super refined right now, he knows where to line up and how to run routes from different spots, even if his tree is a little limited at the moment. And everything I said about DJ Chark also applies in that they just got rid of Fournette and his 100-plus targets. They're going to be really, really bad. He's 6'2", 220 pounds. They need a 1B to DJ Chark. D.D. Westbrook's been around for three seasons. We know who he is. Chris Conley, I'm sorry, but it, he's been in the league five years now, and he's more freaking talk than Walker, if we're being honest. He's still up. Look how much potential he has because of his athleticism guy. He had a good season on the low last year, but I don't see him ever being much better than Chris Conley was last season. There's a reason why they took Chenault in the second round. He's a rookie, so it'll take some time probably. But I think this guy could... The Jaguars are going to be in a lot of shootouts. Chenault's going to could be in wide receiver three territory once week four hits. And just like you could just say that LaVisca Chenault sounds so much cooler than Chris Conley. That's correct. Very cool. So like we'll have a lot more fun saying LaVisca Chenault. So that's that's something. Uh, my guy is Baker Mayfield. I've been over it. Baker Mayfield, I can't really bring numbers from last year because he was atrocious. Um, but he almost, but he had happy feet. And we talked about Brett Coleman already. Brett Coleman kind of had a video breaking down what Baker Mayfield's problem was. He had a really bad offensive line. He was not prepared for what he was getting. This year, he has a head coach that wants to get the ball out quicker. He has weapons that are more 
going to be there the whole year, like Kareem Hunt, like Austin Hooper. I believe that Baker Mayfield can be the guy, one of those guys that you draft really late in drafts, and then all of a sudden comes up and he, he's a no doubt QB1. There's always a guy like that. Hmm. Shout out to Sam Darnold, who I also think has a better chance, but the opportunity is not as good as as uh, as Baker. Both those guys who were drafted in in that draft. I like them both. Baker did set the rookie record for touchdowns, though. Yeah, true that. Wasn't that long ago. Was not that long ago. Although right. it seems that way. How Speaking about how not that long ago, when did we start this episode? How long ago? One hour and 29 minutes ago, Tim. Wow. So we uh, this is an emergency pod. Uh, I enjoyed this immensely. I like the summer heat wave, but sometimes it can get a little monotonous doing the same thing over and it's over again. It's good to just so be this, like, oh, this happened. Let's talk about it. This is great. Um, all right. So with that being said, uh, Jason, where can they find you? At BrotoFF Jason. Michael? At BrotoFF Mike. You can find me at BrotoFF Tim. Don't forget, support the show. Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. We are publishing articles almost daily on BrotoFantasy.com. Also, go check out True Throw Values, a stat that we um, that we look to uh, a couple times during this episode. And our rankings and everything Broto you could find there. Uh, shout out to the patrons who are already... Um, in the league, we just we are in the middle of a draft for our first ever Patreon Dynasty League. It is a 16-team Dynasty League. We are playing for keeps, baby. We're playing for keeps. So with that being said, um, we will see you. on The, the next time you hear us from us, we'll be on the heat wave in the morning. Mm-hmm. So if you don't listen to this until, the, until um, September 2nd, what's today? Today's September 1st. It's, it's the first at 728. We're gonna put this. We're gonna put this up immediately. Um, but if you're listening to this on the second, you have two episodes today. So congratulations, more Broto for you. Um, Patreon.com. Don't forget to get extra episodes every single week. With that being said, later. Later. later.